This podcast is marketing material for a South Africa investment professional only. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome back to our monthly podcast. I'm pleased to be joined by our chief economist, Keith Wade, and we'll be feeling the pulse of the global economy and markets over the next 15 or 20 minutes or so. Keith, welcome. Hi, Condi. Nice to be here. Quite a lot happening globally at the moment, Keith. Perhaps a good place to start is the latest U.S. inflation print for March, which showed the CPI increase of 8.5% compared to a year ago, driven by, amongst other things, food and energy prices. We also saw the yield curve inversion in the U.S. for the first time last week since 2019. What's your reading of all this? Well, the inflation numbers have been rising for most of the past year now and uh, have really caught economists out because people uh, talked about the rise in inflation only being transitory. And and now it's beginning to look a bit more permanent. Um, The good news in the figures that you mentioned, though, was that although the headline rate was the highest for nearly 40 years, um, the core inflation rate, so if we strip out food and energy, actually came in a little bit lower than expected. So some of the base effects that economists have been looking for for some time are beginning to drop out of the comparison. And uh, one of those, for example, is on used car prices. So when the uh, when the US economy reopened, used car prices jumped up because people decided that they would rather drive themselves to work than catch public transport and risk the uh, chance of getting COVID. So there's a lot of inflation in, in car prices. And that's uh, that's still with us, but it is dropping out of the index. So year on year, it's beginning to come down. There are quite a number of areas where the economy reopened to, to quite a jump in prices that's now beginning to come out. So, you know, the core rate does look as though it's beginning to come down. But of course, it still remains very, very high at around about 5%. And certainly enough to worry the Federal Reserve, who have been talking quite hawkishly recently. Keith, shall we speak about wage inflation. That, that is certainly one thing that market participants have said keep a close eye on because it tends to be stickier than other components of inflation. Yes, so wage inflation is very important in all this because one of the things the Fed is looking at as well as the headline rate of inflation is, is what's happening with wages. And the, the thing that they're looking out for is a, a sign that there's a wage price spiral developing. So you know, this is really where inflation can take off and become very difficult to bring down. So when inflation increases, people naturally seek to raise their wages and demand more pay. Uh, And to the extent that people can get higher pay, if that's not offset by higher productivity, then it, it, it will only add more to costs. And it will mean that businesses will have to increase their prices even more. So that's that's the mechanism that can lead to some sort of wage price spiral. And it has to be said, actually, that the wages have picked up pretty sharply in the US. Uh, It depends on which measure you're using. But the average hourly earnings number is now over 5%. So that's pretty strong by historical standards. And it could could rise even more. And we're seeing a similar thing in the UK and in many other economies, probably less in in the Eurozone, but certainly in the US, it's, it's become quite a feature. So if that's going to be sustained, then I think that will keep the Fed on a hawkish tack, which is one reason why we have increased our forecast for interest rates in the US. And we now assume that the Fed will move pretty quickly and tighten at every meeting this year, raising rates to about 2% by the end of this year, 
and potentially raising them a little bit more as we go into 2023. So, Keith, turning to economic growth now. So, you know, we've been talking about economic growth in Europe being perhaps a little bit more challenged going forward uh, on the back of, in part, these issues happening in uh, the Ukraine and, and, and Russia. Uh, would this tightening stance that the Fed has taken, the, the very hawkish stance that you refer to, could that potentially risk economic recession in the U.S.? And, and what would that mean for the, for the global economy as a whole? I think there, there is a potential risk of, of recession here. So the main consequence from the Ukraine situation has been a very sharp increase in commodity prices. Uh, particularly for for oil, um, natural gas, and food such as uh, wheat uh, and grain stuff. So that is pushing up these these key elements of people's spending patterns. And I often say that these are like a tax because you know food and energy are things that you have to spend money on. You may be able to make some adjustments over the medium term, but but really in the near term there's very little you can do. You just have to pay that. That really bites into consumer incomes and means that people have less to spend on other things. And when we've seen these sort of shocks in the past, uh, alongside a lot of political unrest, you've often seen quite a sharp slowdown in the economy as well. So, you know, I think that that is a is a threat. I think the other factors to think about in the US case is that the fiscal stimulus that provided such a big boost to the economy during COVID is now really fading away. And even though wages are increasing quite sharply, as I said earlier, they're not keeping up with inflation. So in real terms, wages are falling. And typically, that can be a sign that you're going to get a recession in the near future. So you you referred to the inversion of the yield curve on the twos tens. That that is a sign of recession. And, And my view is that that's probably a, a quite a, a, an important sign given what we're seeing in terms of the fundamentals, in terms of real incomes at this particular moment. So I would say the probability of recession in the US has increased quite significantly. I don't think it's something that is going to come through in, in the next few months. But as we go towards the end of this year, and the impact of tighter monetary policy gradually builds up, and we go into 2023, I think the probability of a recession will have increased quite significantly. So, Keith, I'm interested in getting your thoughts on this notion of, of peak inflation. Um, what, what, where do you stand on that? Have we, have we hit peak, peak inflation, particularly in the US? Yeah, I think there is a good chance of that because these base effects were so powerful. And what we've also seen is a little bit of a moderation in the, the monthly rates of increase. So although everybody focuses on the year-on-year rate, the, the the monthly rates are beginning to show a little bit of an easing. So I think we could be past the peak. Um, it's, it's not the same everywhere. I think in Europe, it's probably going to come a bit later because of the way that utility bills and, and gas prices feed through. But in the US, we could have passed the peak. And that means we'll see inflation begin to come down. But I think it will come down quite slowly. Uh, the increase in, in food prices that I referred to tends to have quite long lags. And so that will feed through over the summer. And then on top of that, some of the prices in the CPI are what we call sticky prices, where you know they tend to adjust quite slowly. So um, one of those, for example, is in the housing market, the owner's equivalent rent measure that um, is a big part of the core CPI. That tends to move quite slowly and only gets adjusted sort of once a year. And that's already moved up. So 
we know that's going to continue to contribute to inflation over the next few months. So, yeah, I think we will be past the peak, but the amount that inflation falls back will not be huge. We could still be looking at 4% inflation by the end of this year, which, as you know, is above where, where the Fed would like to see it. Keith, I'd like to turn our attention now to China and the zero COVID policies and uh, these current lockdowns and the impact that's having on supply chains. Your views on that and impact again more broadly globally? Yeah, it's certainly um, an important issue. And and we've been looking at this quite closely recently. So uh, we estimate that about a quarter of Chinese GDP is currently affected by these lockdowns in China. So you've got about 23 cities now in lockdown, including, of course, Shanghai, which is a population of about 15 million people and uh, has one of the biggest ports in China as well. So the the lockdowns are having quite a significant impact because if you test positive for COVID, you have to go to a quarantine centre where you have to stay for two weeks. Uh, so that basically takes you out of the workforce. And this is causing immense disruption, particularly in the transport sector. As I mentioned, the ports, the the other element of, of transport, of course, is, is trucking and truck driving. And at the moment, there's a real shortage of, of truck drivers because so many have had to go into quarantine because of uh, catching COVID. So this is very disruptive for supply chains. And I think this could have quite an adverse effect on um, prices, uh, the bottlenecks that uh, we talked about in the past. We had thought they were beginning to come down, but you know, our indicators, which look at things like congestion around the ports in China, those indicators have all been rising again. So that tells us that delivery times are going to start to lengthen and you know, people are going to find it more difficult to get the products that they want to buy. So, so that suggests that inflation could again be a bit more persistent later on in the year. Keith, before I ask you for your final parting thoughts around what all of this means for investors and what they should be thinking about, I would like to get your thoughts on this uh, recent development around Sri Lanka defaulting on their sovereign debt obligations. Admittedly, it was not necessarily an economy in a strong position to begin with, but uh, again, the, the impact of the conflict in Ukraine has at least in part been a contributing factor. Is it, a, I suppose, a, a fair assumption to make that there could be more that would perhaps follow similar suit? Yeah, I mean, each each case has its own dynamics and you know, Sri Lanka has had a, a problem for some time. But I think in very broad terms, you know, what this means really comes back to that inflation I was talking about, particularly in food and energy, because, you know, many economies, um, sort of lower income economies, uh, uh, the proportion of the consumption basket that goes on those essential items is is, is very significant. Um, I mentioned social unrest earlier. So what is likely to happen is that governments seeing that social unrest will, will step up subsidies to to help their population. I think that's a natural thing to do. But if they are already in a, a weak financial position as a result of debts that have been built up, and of course, many countries are under more pressure now as a result of the legacy of COVID and the disruptions that that's caused to the economy, you know, this could create problems um, as, as governments find that they can't afford to pay the subsidies, or and if they don't pay the subsidies, they, they would actually find 
you know, the social unrest is so great that they, they could could effectively be voted out of office. So it does create a real problem. I think the IMF and the World Bank have an important role to play in this, but it's definitely a risk that we need to be very aware of. And, you know, there are a number of economies, particularly in the Middle East, that have been very dependent on imports from Russia of um, grain, for example, as well as, well as energy. Um, but particularly of food. Um, and that, I think, will create some immense strains on those economies and, and will, will increase the, the risk of default. Thanks very much, Keith. I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there. Thanks very much for your insights. Challenged environment, but still opportunities abound. Thanks very much, Keith. Thank you. The value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up, and investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance and may not be repeated. Schroeder's Investment Management Limited is an authorized financial services provider. FSP number 48998, registration number 01893220, incorporated in England and Wales. The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation. Any funds, services or products mentioned might not be appropriate for all listeners. Please speak to a financial advisor if you are unsure as to the suitability of any investment.